Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 101. How's it going? What's up? It is day 564 of my COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic quarantine. <laughs> I'm the only living boy in New York. Oh, that's that's an inappropriate metaphor. That was a song about AIDS, right? Ooh, that's rough. No, wait, that's not right. Carter to the Unstoppable Sex Machines homage to the only living boy in New York. The only living boy in Newcastle. Is a song about AIDS. I don't actually know what The Only Living Boy in New York is about. That's worth looking up. Anyway, hello. How you doing? It's Friday. I have Friday off. It is a recharge day at my place of employment, Time Hop Incorporated. And what could be more recharging than a lovely morning podcast here at 9.45 in the morning on a bright and beautiful sunny morning in, with the sun shining over the pond in Chatham County, North Carolina. My wife is asleep, my daughter is awake, but across the street at her grandmother's house, not across the street, across the driveway, so I am alone. It's very exciting. I have to cough. Hold, please. All right, that is all done. Hi. Things have been pretty swell in Chatham County for the last couple weeks, uh... The day after I no, the day I talked to you guys last, our friends Rex and Michelle visited with, with their brand new puppy Smudge. That was a cute little puppy, man. My God, I'm not really much of a dog guy, but that was a cute puppy. Whew, boy, what a cute puppy! Uh, anyway, it was a lovely time. We just saw him for the evening. They came by. We hung out on the porch, and it was great. And I drank too much. My friend Todd had sent me some. Uh, I don't think it's home distilled, but a friend of his makes a Fernet, and he sent me a bottle, and Rex and I drank most of the bottle, and I felt like the worst hangover of my life the next day. I don't know if it was the Fernet, or the getting older, or the beer, but man, I, I just, I felt terrible. It was really bad. I was like nauseous, and, you know, I had the normal morning hangover, and I took some Advil. Uh, one thing I did wrong, I've been taking... I had been taking for my wounded leg Advil and Tylenol on the advice of my doctor. And I took both without thinking in the morning. So I feel like perhaps the Tylenol, which does work upon your liver. It's the reason I never really took Tylenol back in the days when I was a drinker. You weren't supposed to take Tylenol because alcohol and Tylenol both work on your liver. So I'm kind of wondering if like that was part of the problem. Is I, Without thinking, I had been on this painkiller Advil-Tylenol combo habit for like several weeks because of my wounded leg. And I took them both that morning and then I just felt nauseous the rest of the day, all day. Into the night. I went to bed nauseous. It was horrible. But it was great to see them. <laughs> uh, and now, two weeks later, tonight, uh, our friends Nick and Megan are coming. So that is very exciting. They have a camper. Uh, Rex and Michelle stayed in a hotel. You know, they're road tripping back to New York from picking up their dog down here. And uh, Nick and Megan have a camper and they park in our driveway. So, you know, still observing, mostly observing quarantine rules. Uh, we still hang out with people outside. It's getting a little cold out there. There's like in the 50s last night, but we'll build a fire. It'll be lovely. It'll be nice. 
Um, yeah, still don't really go places. I'm supposed to go to New York next week to see my friend Jenna, who's in America. She spent most of the pandemic in Amsterdam, I want to say. <laughs> Somewhere in the Netherlands, I want to say. Uh, not in America. Yeah, the first five months she spent in Canada. Anyway, she is in New York next week, and I promised her I'd come visit her back when Delta wasn't a thing, but uh, yeah, I don't think I can go. Combined with my leg, it's still not fully healed. Mostly better. The bruise is faded. Uh, I can walk. It's good. I don't think about it all the time. I need to start doing my stretches and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's sad. I wanted to go to New York. Not going to happen. And then my next thing was October with the Dead Can Dance show, but Dead Can Dance just postponed the show yesterday, so now that's not happening. So the next thing is in December, the Hold Steady show. At Brooklyn Bowl. Really want to go to that. We'll see if it happens. Uh, yeah, Pfizer uh, turned over its data for children 5 to 12 on the vaccine. And they said the results are positive. So we're hoping for a emergency use, emergency use authorization for the Pfizer vaccine for 5-year-olds to 12-year-olds from the FDA any day now. Well, it's supposed to be like next month, early next month. Uh, and then the data for six months to twelve to five, which is where my daughter falls in, should be happening the month after. So hopefully by the end of the year she can get this dumb shot. I'm fine with it today. I'm I'm in a good mood today, but I had a, I had a couple really bad days this last two weeks where I was just like, I'm so sick of this pandemic, I want to die. That's a slight exaggeration. I did not actually consider that I want to die, but I was just like, I want to run away. I want no responsibilities. I want to be one of those childless people out in the world that goes places. <laughs> and, you know, to be fair, even friends of ours with children go places now. But I've had too many friends with kids get serious bouts of COVID, so I'm paranoid. And my wife is paranoid, and uh, we feed off each other's paranoia in a probably not super healthy way, but generally tolerable and... We're going to just ride it out. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, it's been raining a lot this week, which is lovely. My plants are very happy. Uh, but I am walking again. Um, we've been going on our daily walks again. My, my, my leg is fine, so that's good. Uh, yeah, and then uh, what else? What else? Ooh, today's a big day. I got a lot of interesting packages coming today. I succeeded in buying a PlayStation 5. I got it off of Amazon. That was very exciting. Uh, Prime members only. Just the no bundle, the disc version, so 500 bucks or whatever, not scalper prices, actual Amazon Prime, not like a reseller. Uh, and that arrives today. My new iPhone arrives today, which I'm annoyed about, but I bought anyway because it is my job to work on the iPhone. That is what I do for a living. Um, but you know, it kind of sucks. Everybody says the battery life's a little bit better, which is good. I do have some battery issues, even though I don't leave the house. You'd think I wouldn't. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a waste of money. I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'll be like pleasantly surprised by the thing, but I'm not really, I'm very annoyed. It doesn't have USB-C. That's it. That's all I really want. I just want USB-C on my phone and they can't do it, even though it's a pro. But it's coming today, so that'll be fun. And uh, we participated in the Mythbusters auction. So I wrote about this, but to recap, there was a traveling exhibit for Mythbusters that went around to like science museums and stuff for the last 10 years. And it's all over. 
and they had all these props and replicas and stuff from the show, and they did an auction. They auctioned it off through a prop store. The prop store in LA. And all the proceeds went to the Grant Imahara Steam Foundation, which is the foundation set up, uh, you know, when Grant, one of the hosts of Mythbusters, passed away of an aneurysm last year, they set up this foundation. Anyway, uh, yeah, so good cause. And we spent a bunch of money on it. And we got two things. And they should be, well, it's two packages. One of them is arriving today. One of them is one of the blueprints, you know, every, every episode they make a blueprint. So that was pretty cool. We got one that Adam drew out for one of our favorite episodes. And then we got a box, like a cartoon style <laughs> TNT box, you know, with the plunger on it. <laughs> like you'd see in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. It's actually in the opening credits a lot of the times. Uh, it says TNT on it. <laughs> Adam made it. <laughs> so I don't know what we're going to do with that, but uh, that'll be here today or monday one of those two things will be here today so a lot of interesting stuff coming in the mail today uh yeah um you know it's a big charity donation basically right we we believe in steam we are both in steam industries uh even if i don't really like the internet as much as i used to <laughs> yeah Anyway, that's what's going on in Chatham County. Uh, a deer got hit in our neighborhood. That was really sad. There was some speculation on the neighborhood email list. With maybe a, a neighbor did it. But, you know, I think it was like a delivery guy or something like that. So that was pretty sad. Uh, we like our deer. Uh, and then on next door, there's a big argument about deer in general. And people are like, I hate the deer. They eat my tomatoes. They get in the road. And I'm like, yeah, they do that to me too. But I still like them. So they're still super cute. Uh, you know, even though they eat my tomatoes, I'm like pro deer. I like deer. I like having deer around. Am I, I'm just a sap. What can I say? People are like, hey, should, we should be hunting these deer. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus, you people. Deer are interesting though. You know, it's like they were gone from everywhere for a long time and now they're back everywhere. It's like a thing. It just changes. And like city people don't really think about it because they never had deer in the city, but there were no deer in the neighborhoods and now there are deer in the neighborhoods. What does it mean? I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, health. Legs doing well. Yeah. Um, I haven't started stretching yet. And it's definitely starting to feel, it's feeling a little stiff. And I need to start stretching. But I'm so paranoid about stretching because I, you know, it had tears in it that uh, I don't know. I'm scared to do it. Uh, I'm going to give it another month or so. And then I will start stretching. Uh, nicotine's going great. I'm well over a month. I don't know. Five, six weeks now. I don't even know. I'm not even counting anymore. It's just done. It's a thing. I quit nicotine. And <laughs> the other day, Emma was like, do you feel dumb that it was so easy to quit nicotine that like maybe you could have done this 10 years ago? <laughs> I quit cigarettes more than 10 years ago, but I've been on, you know, lozenges, e-cigarettes, all sorts of non-cancerous nicotine replacements for years. And I have to admit, she had a point there. I do feel a little bit dumb. It turned out to be a shockingly easy thing. I mean, I have cravings still. Don't get me wrong. It's not gone. Like, every once in a while, I'm like, oh, my God, I want an e-cigarette. Uh, they've been, right now, they're, there's a big thing going on in America where they're banning all flavored e-cigarettes, which I had quit more than a year ago, um, maybe two years ago, because I didn't really want Jane seeing me have e-cigarettes. Like, I could sneak lozenges. I just called it daddy food, and she never really understood that. But, you know, seeing, uh, I, I was like, I didn't want her seeing me smoke an e-cigarette. It's like association with smoking, blah, blah, blah. So I quit him a while ago, but I still think it's the stupidest fucking thing in the world that the FDA is like banning. They're not technically banning either. They're 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 licensing out in licensing into oblivion flavored nicotine or flavored e-cigarettes. 
Like, you can apply for a license. They're just not going to give it to you. It's not technically illegal. You just need a license, but they're not going to give it to you. And uh, so they're all just going out of business. You know, they have not ruled on Jewel and View and Enjoy the Big Ones yet. And so they're still for sale right now. So I was reading this article uh, back when I was an e-cigarette smoker and these laws were first starting to get passed. I was like very against them. I'm still against them and it still pisses me off, but I don't have a personal stake in the matter anymore. But I was reading it and I was like, oh my God, I should just go buy a bunch of <laughs> jewel right now. <laughs> this stuff's going to become illegal. I need to stock up while I can. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't even you haven't even had these things in two years and you don't even consume nicotine at all anymore and i'm like i know but i need it what if i what if i need i have a fit and i need one i'm like you should not do this and I'm like, yes i should i need to go to the eagle right now and buy a bunch of jewel i'm still not convinced that i shouldn't do that like i still kind of think i should need i need some backup jewels in the house some backup cherry vapes for <laughs> it's, kind, it's kind of insane <sighs> anyway jane as well She's great. She, let's see, what can I say about Jane this week? She's got some new Halloween-themed clothes. That's another big thing that's going on. My wife, in case you didn't know this, is completely obsessed with Halloween. She's already started decorating the house. I told her she couldn't really decorate the front and the outside too much until we got into October. Because, you know, I I care about what the neighbors think, because I'm insane. And, uh... But she's just already going gung-ho on the inside of the house. <laughs> it's kind of cool because it's weird and I like that, but it's also kind of weird. Uh, I don't know. But uh, so she bought like uh, <laughs> a lot of like Halloween clothes for Jane. It's really cute. Yesterday, Jane was wearing a, an orange T-shirt with a picture of Hello Kitty dressed as a mummy on it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cute. Um, yeah, she's good. I got her a watch a couple weeks ago, and she can totally tell time. I think I've told you guys this already. I'm very proud of this, obviously. I mean, I'm talking like analog time with the five and everything. Like, it's 12.04 right now. She's three. It's really weird. Uh, let's see. I've been teaching her weird big words to use to deal with her emotions because she has emotions. Oh, her teeny little emotions. And she no longer can immediately bounce back, right? So she often can bounce back, but... You know, one of the things I love about babies is like they can be crying, they can hate you, they can be mad, they can be throwing things. But once it fits over, they're like, okay, fits over, and then they're just back into a good mood. And there's no lingering resentments or anxieties or anything, you know. But that's nice. that's over. She it's not completely over, but now often when she throws a fit or a tantrum or we get in a little argument, she feels residual sadness even as she's happy, and she talks about it. She's like, "What is Jane feeling?" And like, I have to talk her through these things. So I'll be like, you're feeling happy now and you're happy that you're not sad anymore, but you still feel a little bit sad. So I've started using actual adult words. Like I've, te- I've been teaching her like chagrin and catharsis. And I'm like, you know, you'll feel better now if you say, I'm sorry, daddy. And, and then, you know, she says, I'm sorry, daddy. And I'm like, and then I'll say, I'm sorry, Jane. And I say, I'm sorry, Jane. And then she says, no, don't you, I say, don't you feel better now? And she's like, yes. So, like, it's intense, man. Little emotions go through this little body, and they, like, it racks her. You can see it physically racking her. It's very insane. It's it's intense. So, yeah, I'm, I'm like, giving her, like, the, the verbal language to handle it. Like, um... Because for like a month now, more than a month, two months, she's been going, what, what's daddy feeling? Was that sad? Was that happy? Was that kind? If you like drop something, right? Dropping things and mistakes is something she's having a very hard time with. And she's always like, 
you know, like, was that kind? I'm like, it's a mistake. It's not kind. It's not kind or unkind. It's a mistake. She's like, are you happy? Are you sad? I'm like, well, and so I taught her chagrined. You know, I'm like, I'm a little, it's like a little bit sad, but I'm still happy. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I dropped this spatula on the floors and I'm like momentarily annoyed by it, but it's not like a ground shakingly earth shattering sort of emotion. Right. So I've taught her chagrined. And so she says it all the time. Now she has little things. <laughs> She drops her pacifier. She calls it Aja. She, uh-oh, Jane dropped Aja on the floor. Jane is chagrined. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, you are. Um, she just had this tantrum. It wasn't even really about anything. She gets Sometimes she gets stuck. Uh, you know, we need a more PC term than OCD, but she, she becomes very focused on the only way she can get out of her tantrum is if she goes and retraces her steps and redoes everything, or she just makes something up. Like it's like a ritual. She's like, okay, I will be happy now. If you can stand over there and then I will walk to you, then you will pick me up. Then we'll walk over to mommy who mommy has to be standing in a very specific place. And we'll walk over to mommy. And then I will say, mommy, pick me up and mommy, take me to get another Aja. And if we do all of those exact steps, exactly right. And they're just arbitrary and they're really weird and they're complicated. And sometimes she can't explain them to you. So like she's got it in her head that she needs you to stand right there, but you don't understand that. And like one time it was like Brown bear, put Brown bear back. I'm like, I don't know where you want me to put Brown bear, man. He's in the crib. She's like, no, put Brown bear back. I'm like, can you at least point? And she wouldn't point anyway. She finally got through one of these. We got her through the whole thing, and she's, like, calming down. And she's like, what's Jane's feeling? And I'm like, catharsis. <laughs> You're feeling catharsis. And she was so happy to have the word. And she's like, catharsis. Thank you. So it's cute. It's cute. Uh, yeah, that's where that's where Jane's at these days. I got to remember Monday is my monthly letter to her. I have been writing a letter to her every month on her birthday. Since she was born, a couple. I mean, obviously, I'm late some months, but you know, maybe a little book I'll hand to her at some point when I've decided she's an adult, eighteen if she's, you know, a mature child, or thirty if she was more like me. We'll see. I don't know when, but uh, yeah, I have to start thinking what else I'm going to put in there this week. <laughs> anyway, work is good. Been really busy. Got slight anxiety because I had a to-do list that was growing past three items long. Normally, my to-do list at work is pretty short, and I just do it immediately. But I started having this big one. I got, like, a review of an employee. I got, like, a case study I needed to write in your big, right, big company presentation that is due in a few. I had to, like, deal with some board stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting overwhelmed. Um, but I, I whipped it mostly into shape this week. I got it all put it back into a to-do list. I've gotten out of the habit of to-do lists for work because I could just usually stay afloat. But I was like, oh, yeah, I have coping skills from when I was busier in jobs. I know how to handle this. And I, like, wrangle all the things. I started getting it done. But that was, like, a lot of anxiety for me for for a week until I remembered I had the skills to deal with it. I was like, oh, yes, I know how to make a to-do list. I should do this now. (laughs) And then, of course, the big news in my industry was the Apple versus Epic lawsuit. Also, Friday, right after I did my podcast, seriously, just minutes after I finished the freaking podcast two weeks ago, the judge handed uh, Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers, the judge in the Epic Games versus Apple lawsuit, ruled. And uh, I spent most of Friday and Monday reading the entire decision. Uh, And... You know, in the minutes after it came out, everybody was like, Epic won. 
And then in the hours and days after it came out, everybody's like, Apple won. This is a victory for Apple. And that is where the current conventional wisdom stands. And I think it's wrong. I think basically Epic is winning this one. Um, Nominally, there were sort of three, let's say, three or four major points of contention and things that Epic was asking for. And it's true, the one that they most wanted, which was to open up a competing app store on iOS devices so that you could download applications onto your phone, not from the Apple App Store. They did not get that. So in a lot of ways, yes, Apple won. But they did get some very big concessions from Apple that Apple never would have made that have ramifications larger than I think people realize. These concessions also happen on the following in the footsteps of a set of three or four smaller concessions Apple had made in other lawsuits, a class action lawsuit in in California and a lawsuit in Japan that they made some smaller changes. So there have been three small chips in the app store's dominance and then one pretty big chunk taken out by Epic Games. Like what they got out of Apple was not nothing and it's something legit. And it also, it just, everybody's like, you know, if you read the case, like, Apple spokespeople are like, oh, the judge found we're not monopolists. And if you read the case, it's true. (laughs) The judge said we did. That's not actually true, actually. They did not say Apple was not a monopolist. They said we, Epic didn't present enough evidence to prove that Apple is a monopolist. Therefore, we cannot conclude that Apple is a monopolist. But they might well be. And it's not inconceivable that somebody else could prove it someday. So that's not good for Apple. And then, you know, to have a monopoly, you have to have a market, right? So what is the market? Apple took the position that the market is games and that they have competitors out there like, oh man, I guess I'll talk about that next. They have competitors out there like Xbox and PlayStation. Those are competitors of Apple's and games. And therefore, they have a minuscule percentage of the market and they can't possibly be an monopolist. And then Epic took the position that it was iOS app downloads. And then it was, that's it. They're a monopolist on iOS. And the judge was like, well, that's obviously not it. Well, nor is it obviously just games. And the actual market is mobile paid downloads for games which is a pretty small market uh, compared to the entire larger games market that Apple was arguing for. So not a good win for Apple there because they are pretty freaking dominant in the mobile paid downloads market, you know, (laughs) mobile games, paid downloads. Not good. Not good for Apple. Uh, You know, and she threw like Nintendo switch into that market. So like said that Apple didn't really have a dominant share because of course it's Android too, but she said it was big and that they had influence over market pricing and practices, which is not good. And that's how she did find that they did were anti-competitive according to a California state law. Everybody else is like, well, you know, they didn't find her, find them a monopolist under federal law. It was only this California law. And it's like, yeah, but she still enforced it across the whole country. And other states, including the federal government, could pass that California law. And other claimants could use that California law. So that doesn't strike me as victory for Apple either. So, yeah, yeah, it's, that's happening. Uh, big article in the Washington Post today about app tracking transparency, the privacy stuff Apple did, and how. Everybody's cheating, not everybody, but a lot of people are cheating and Apple's not doing shit about it, which has been one of my gripes the whole time. We do not cheat. Time Hop does not cheat, obviously, and neither do, do we cheat with our ad tech product Nimbus. 
We follow all their rules. We are very privacy friendly. We're compliant with the EU and California CCPA. We are good guys in an industry filled with bad people and lots of the bad people are cheating and Apple knows and they're not doing anything about it, which is one of the reasons I've been so annoyed with this stupid thing they're doing anyway, because they said, you know, they had the technical stuff like IDFA permissions, that little prompt you get that says, do you want to let this app track, you know, but then they had a bunch of rules, just things you can't do that they can't validate technically, or they could if they wanted to, but they weren't going to. And people are violating the rules because Apple's not checking. They just made a bunch of new rules, and then, but everybody can break the rules. And of course, Apple could stop them if they wanted, but that would mean hiring a bunch of people into the app store and reviewing every app, and everybody hates that, and Apple doesn't want to spend the money, so they're not doing it, even though they just talked about it in the Epic Games lawsuit about how good they were with their app review. They just made a bunch of rules that they're now not actually enforcing, so a bunch of people are cheating, and those of us that aren't cheating are suffering for it because the people that are cheating make more money than the people like us that are losing money because we follow the rules, and it's just bullshit, and it makes me very angry, and it's like... It's like asshole adults when you're a kid that tell you to follow the rules and then don't do anything when people cheat. And that's what Apple is. They're like an evil schoolmaster who made a bunch of rules and then doesn't do anything when people beat you up behind the schoolyard. It's awesome. So, yeah, that's good. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I didn't really plan on going on a long rant about Apple. I will stop. Moving on. I was going to say one more thing. Oh, yeah. So the other thing <laughs> I did this week... <laughs> Oh, God. So I changed the password on my computer. Uh, you know, like when you log into your computer, when you turn it on or your screensaver is on and you move your mouse and it asks you for a password, that password, right? And then I changed it and it has a, a field where you can change it and you confirm it. And I typed in something twice that was wrong. So all of a sudden I couldn't get into my computer, <laughs> like my main computer that I do all my work on. That's like my brain. I just couldn't get into it. And I eventually got in because I remembered I had another account on the computer, another admin account. It's like a test account I use. And as I got in through that one, I changed the main password. Uh, my other user, my main user, back to the old password. I don't, I still have no idea. I tried like a hundred times to type in some variation of what I vividly remember being the new password. And I just couldn't make it work. So I got back in. But when you go back in, it resets all your security settings because it's like, okay, well, this might be a hack because they changed the password through, you know, another user. So it logs you out of all your email and all your websites and everything. And it, it, it's crazy. And one of the things it's done, it's very thorough. It's very impressive. Is like uh, there's a setting in your screensaver. How long does it take before your screensaver comes on? And when it comes on, how many seconds do you have that you can wiggle the mouse before it asks you for your password again? And it reset that to like the screensaver comes on super fast and it you can't wiggle the mouse at all and you have to type in the password every time. So like right now I'm doing this podcast and I've got my, you know, my computer's recording the podcast. I have my notes for topics here, but the screen just goes blank <laughs> and I have to type in my password. I'm going to pause and fix it right now. Hold please. All right. That's fixed. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, let's see, moving on. Gardening, going great. The rain was great. I haven't planted my snow peas yet because uh, it's been in the 90s, but it just cooled off this week. So I think this weekend I might plant the snow peas, maybe next weekend. Um, I got the pot ready for them, the planter, but I don't know where to trellis it yet. I'm still trying to figure that out. But uh, other than that, everything's planted for the fall. It seems to be going pretty well. Uh, everything is really happy out there. The peppers are producing massive amounts of peppers, so... 
it's good. It's good. The 190, 90 degree and 100 degree weather is off. Everything is just exploded in the fall. It's lovely. My garden's a good time right now. I'm into it. Uh, in the studio, I got my treadmill. I had gotten it right before I wounded my leg, but I finally got it uh, I, <laughs> last weekend. I lugged the box down here into my office from the garage down this very steep ramp on a hand cart and then picked it up and carried it in. Oh my God, it was so heavy. Took the box apart, got the thing assembled with the help of my wife. It's been great. I've been using it all week. I love it. Um, I bought it for winter because, you know, we get exercise in the summer. We go on walks in the evening, but uh, I've still been using it anyway. In the morning, I've got it on like a 7% incline and I go at a good brisk pace for 30 minutes. And it really, it's, it's been improving my mood. My darkest sort of existential angst days were last week before I got the treadmill assembled. So that is good. I think actually I, I might take that back. I might have had one this week. Yeah, I might have had one this week. Anyway, it's still helping. I'm confident. And I, I like the thing. They kind of screwed me. Like all the pictures when I bought it had a picture of it having a tablet holder. And it didn't come with it. And I called them. They're like, that's an add-on accessory for $100. I'm like, fuck you. So I'm a little annoyed with the company, but I really like the treadmill. My my mother-in-law has a treadmill by the same company, and she likes my version better, so that's good. Um, yeah, I'm happy with it. So the, the room is coming really, really well. The other big thing I did last weekend is I lugged my old rug upstairs. <laughs> oh, my God, it was so heavy. I used to have two very big oriental rugs in this room, and uh, I've had them forever. They were in the basement of the secret clubhouse in Williamsburg, and I had one on each side of the room. But now that I've made it all one big open room, I only have one rug. I didn't need the other rug, so I rolled it up, and I, you know, like then I wounded myself, and it's just been sitting against the wall in my office for like a month. And finally, last weekend, I just picked it up and I lugged it, and I carried it up two flights of stairs all the way to the third floor into their storage area, and it's out of the way. So my office is looking great. I'm very into it. Very excited. Makes me happy. If it makes you happy. And then on writing, uh, Lisa is still working on my book. Uh, she's making good progress, so that's exciting. The Good Morning, Hello, How Are You book will happen one of these days. And that's it. That's all I'm doing. I like Good Morning, Hello, How Are You. I feel like it's a decent artistic outlet at the moment. Uh, I want to finish my ad book someday, but that's not going to happen until I'm out of this job. Uh, I would love to make another record, but that's also not going to happen right now. So I'm trying to find contentment in the things I have with my artistic output. And it's nice. I get emails from people all the time. They're like, thanks, man. I really love these. Like, I've been having like nice chats with old friends. It's really, it makes me happy. It makes other people happy. It doesn't have a huge readership, but I don't care. I've never been in this for the readership or the listenership or the viewership or whatever. It is the outlet I need right now in my life, and it is working for me. So that's good. Moving on to media. Ooh, so much media. Uh, added a bunch of stuff to Plex. Um, I think I talked about this last week, but I had watched that documentary on nudity in films, and I was downloading some stuff that I had seen in the documentary and got a bunch of it up there last week. Uh, a few more things got up, put up there this week. Caged Heat and Women in Cages, <laughs> two Pam Greer films. I watched one of them. Uh, Foxy Brown, actually, three Pam Greer films are now up there. Two Doris Wishman films, Nude on the Moon and Bad Girls Go to Hell. Uh, and then and God Created Women with Brigitte Bardot and Personal Best. Uh, and then I started, I'm, I'm done with that phase, done with the history of nudity and movies phase, moved on to other stuff, uh, shoot 'em up a, uh, <laughs> an action movie from 
I haven't actually watched this yet, but they did a myth on it on Mythbusters, and it has Clive Owen in it, and it's like an assassin's movie. It looks like a poor man's John Wick done about ten years earlier. I don't even know, but like it kind of looked pretty funny, and I was like, ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that. So I downloaded that. Uh, Contact I got put into Plex. I had watched that recently, as you know. Got a really good copy and all the making of stuff, and put that in Plex. That's up there. Vampire Academy. <laughs> I was listening to the churches and I discovered that churches did a cover of Bella Lugosi's dead and it ran over the end credits of vampire Academy. And I was like, I'm going to watch that movie. <laughs> I haven't actually watched it yet, but it's up there. Uh, and the green Hornet, because also Mythbusters, uh, Seth Rogen actually appeared on Mythbusters and they did a bunch of green Hornet myths. And I actually have a theory that the green Hornet might not be bad. I didn't watch it when it came out. I was excited for it in advance. Because, you know, the director and all that stuff. And, and I was like, this is going to be good. And then it got so widely panned, I never watched it. But I bet it's good. I bet it's like Mystery Men. Everybody said it was bad and they were all wrong and it was a great film. So I'm going to watch The Green Hornet. Unless one of you thinks it's so terrible and they write to me completely outraged. But don't do that because I want to watch it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on. Discogs. I, my store has still been shut down. I shut it down when I wounded my leg. And I forgot. And I just turned it back on right before I started this podcast. So no Discogs orders, uh, which is sad now that I think about it. I've, I I missed my little Discogs store. I like I like mailing people CDs in the mail. Uh, I got so much vinyl. Oh, my God. It's so bad. I swear it's slowed down. There shouldn't be this much again, but it's a lot. Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-five 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 25 pieces of vinyl. That's an average of two a day. <laughs> Almost across two weeks. That's that's insane. I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, but let's tell you what I got. New Casey Musgraves album. Uh, that is another reason why I got so much vinyl is it's been like it's September and September is like new re release a palooza. So a lot of these have been new releases. Ah, nah, three or four of them. Not, all, not a ton. Casey Musgraves new album, Starcross, got a really sweet deluxe box set version of it. Came with a hanky <laughs> and a lenticular. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, I like that record. I think I talk about it already. Let's see. That release day was. Last Friday, right? So, no, I haven't talked about any of these. Yeah, Casey Musgraves, Low, and one other album all came out. So many of Drake came out that day. Anyway, my notes say that we talked about the Casey Musgraves album last week. So, we will just mention that we got the sweet-ass vinyl version. Uh, I bought a <laughs> hilarious pink vinyl edition of Ministry's Land of Rape and Honey. I always wanted to own that record on vinyl. Uh, my favorite ministry album and then the live album that, come, that associated with it in case you didn't feel like showing up live. I wanted to own those two on vinyl. Uh, and I found this great copy. Very you know affordable, uh, used, of course, uh, colored vinyl. And uh, it's a great record. So I was happy to get it. And that same seller had an album by a band called The Gersh. The Gersh. Legendary Boston experimental rock band. Uh, a little post-rock, a little bit punk. Post-punk post -punk implies something different. Post-rock meets punk. Um, maybe a little metal-y. Uh, my friend John Rue back in the day was in the band. And, uh, you know, our bands didn't, were stylistically very different. So we didn't play together a lot, but we were really good friends with John. 
And uh, I just have been thinking about the Gersh for a while, and I wanted to listen to him, and I found this copy of this album on Discogs, and I got it, so I listened to the self-titled Gersh record, which is awesome. I hadn't heard them in so long. I'd seen them so much back in the day. So I was very excited. The Gersh uh, Third Eye Foundation, which was a sort of breakbeat electronica meets shoegaze act in England. The Semtex EP, not to be confused with the Semtex LP by the same band. Two different releases with the same title, with two totally different track lists, but that's cool. Uh, and then Spiritualize is continuing their reissue series with Ladies and Gentlemen, We Are Floating in Space. The seminal album, everybody considers it one of the greatest albums of the 2000s. Was it even the 2000s? I don't remember. 90s, I think. I mean, yeah, 90s. It makes those lists. Uh, Spiritualize is one of my favorite bands If not my favorite band I have a 20 foot long Spiritualize Ladies and gentlemen We are floating in space Billboard right in front of me In my office Autographed from the first release of this record I already own two copies on vinyl From the first time around And uh, But I've been buying these Spiritualize reissue program re-releases Because they all have different covers Um and this one's an interesting cover. It's like on the cover is a picture of the package of the CD version. The CD version of the album, there are three different, there are a lot of CD versions of the album, but the deluxe version was in a box and you pulled out the single CD and it was in like a pill popper, you know, like foil and a, a blister pack. And then the deluxe version, uh, super deluxe version of the album, which has been released twice. This is so confusing. My God, this album has been released so many times. It is a box that's about 12 inches wide, two inches deep, seven inches tall, 10 inches tall. And inside the box, you open it up and there are two trays, like pill trays, like you would pull out your Pepto-Bismol uh, with the foil and the blister packs and everything. And in each tray is one CD, three inch CD with one song on it. So there's 12 songs of the album. Each one gets its own CD. You pop it out of pills and you put it in your CD player. They've released it twice. The original version of it was white. And the reissue on All Tomorrow's Parties Records was black. I own them both. <laughs> I own so many copies of this record. It's ridiculous. But I bought one more. Anyway, so the original 12 CD box is on the cover of the new reissue. It's weird. But uh, anyway, got that album again. Uh, noteworthy things about it. Sounds great. Great pressing. And track one, the title track, Ladies and Gentlemen, We Are Floating in Space, is the version with Elvis' song, I Can't Help Falling in Love With You. I have versions of the album with that on it already, but their promos, right when the album came out, the Elvis estate chose not to license the song, and so they had to change it, and they changed it, and the version on the album has been historically the version without I Can't Help Falling in Love With You. Somewhere in the 2000s, after the album achieved massive critical acclaim and Jason played it with symphony orchestras on three continents and blah, bitty, blah, blah, blah. Somewhere along the way, Elvis estate realized that they were okay with being associated with this album and they granted them a license. It's a little hazy. I can't quite figure out exactly when, but, uh, this is the second vinyl version to have, I can't help falling in love with you on it. The plain recordings version that came out like five, six years ago also has it on it, but I did not buy that one because I already own two copies. So this is the first one I think I own on vinyl that 
has I cannot falling in love with you version of ladies and gentlemen we are floating in space on it so very exciting wow if I talked about every album that much we'd be here for like a week we're gonna pick this up Wu-Tang Clan 36 Chambers it was the vinyl me please record of the month sounds great great colored vinyl very happy happy Kala mentioned them before my old friend Wayne Magruder also in Bowery Electric uh and a band called the Factory Press. Kala was their main band, and I've been picking up their vinyl. I found one more copy, one more album of their Scavengers on vinyl. I talked about them last week. Pink Floyd, Amagama. I got a cheap copy of that on vinyl because I found a copy of the Factory Press 7-inch single, Foundation, which is Kala's band before Kala. And I'm obsessed with Factory Press, especially their album, CD, Smoky Ends of a Burnt Out Day, but they also had the 7-inch I never had. I really wanted it. It was only $2 from the seller in Texas, but you had to spend at least $10 with the seller. So I went through his whole catalog and I found out he had a cheap but good copy of Amagama. So I bought that because Pink Floyd Amagama is my favorite Pink Floyd album, which spawned me listening to a bunch of old Pink Floyd again. That was nice. Uh, anyway, those are both great. That Foundation 7-inch is awesome. You're never going to find it anywhere. I think I'd have bought the only copy for sale in America. So I don't know. Maybe I'll rip it or something, but... Factory Presser, awesome. Uh, the new Low, Hey What, that album came on vinyl finally. I listened to it last week but because I couldn't wait for the vinyl, but it showed up, and I listened to it, and it's great. And the one thing I really like about the vinyl is track one on the album has this annoying like two-minute interlude in the middle where it's like tick, 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 and I just don't like it. And they blissfully shortened it a whole lot on the vinyl version, so I will be listening to the vinyl a lot more of that record. Low are doing great. That's a great album. It's a little bit more in the double negative style that they've been in lately. Uh, he had a great quote. It's something along the lines of, I wanted to make the machines hurt as much as they've made me hurt. <laughs> I thought that was really good. Uh, there's a new mono album, Japanese post-rock band in the Mogwai style. The album's called Pilgrimage of the Soul. It's awesome. Strong recommend. Got that on vinyl. I got an old Cindy Talk album on vinyl that I did not have. Not old mid-period Cindy Talk. It's called Hold Everything Dear. Uh, experimental ambient Cindy Talk. No vocals, which is always a shame since Gordon slash Cindy's vocals are something that I have loved. We've talked extensively about Cindy Talk on this podcast, so we will move on today. Uh, Jay Spaceman of Spiritualized and formerly Spaceman 3 has another new release with a man named Jay Coxon and it is the two of them playing live and the album is called Play the Red Crayola Alive 1967 uh, I guess this is them covering the Red Crayola playing live in 1967 uh, Jay Spaceman's always been obsessed with the Red Crayola they cover Spaceman 3 uh, famously cover a Red Crayola song Transparent Radiation made it their own it's a great song so I guess recently somewhere, man, I would have loved to have seen this. Uh, he played the Red Crayola Live 1967. He has another album called Live at La Poisson Rouge. And I did have the, I was at that show. So I feel really good about that. But this one I didn't even know about. I just heard about it because Byron Coley, the famed uh, music critic from Western Mass, mentioned it and posted a review of it. I was like, well, I need to buy that. And so I got that. Uh, and then I got Godspeed You Black Emperor, old album, Lift Your Skinny Fists Like Antennas to Heaven, and from the same seller, I got the Helium EP No Guitars. Uh, the Helium EP showed up on my Discogs New Things From Your Want list for sale list, sorted by cheapest price, and then it's like, they have one, the seller has one more item you want, and it was the Godspeed album, so I bought both of those. Uh, I'm very excited I got both of those. That Godspeed album, man, I forgot about Godspeed You Black Emperor, they're so good. That album sounds great, and it's a nice vinyl version, so very happy. Just listened to No Guitars again this morning. I was obsessed with Helium so much. I was so obsessed with that band. 
I remember vividly when No Guitars came out. She probably played in Boston like four or five times. I went to every fucking show. <laughs> I went to college with Mary. We knew each other a little bit, but not really. But I just like was the biggest Helium fan in the world. And so I owned the CD EP of this since the week it came out. But I always wanted to get the vinyl. I think this completes my vinyl collection of Helium. It was the one thing I didn't have yet. So that's very exciting. And then this is the crazy part of the week. I spent like $400 with this dude who posted a ton of 480 stuff that I, or it was all in my want list that I've wanted for a long time to finish sort of the migration of my 480 collection from CD to vinyl of the stuff that I had on CD. So we got three Dead Can Dance albums from this guy, The Serpent's Egg, Within the Realm of a Dying Sun, and Aeon. Uh, it turns out I already had the Aeon re-release, but these are all, every one of these things I'm listing is the original UK first pressing 480 in very good condition. So like these are very hard to find. Any one of them is a find. And I got all of these records from this guy. So it, it was a deal of as much money as I spent on it. Uh, the Cocteau Twins, I got three EPs, Echoes in a Shallow Bay, Sunburst and Snowblind and Peppermint Pig. Just beautiful covers, beautiful condition. All three of them, this Completes my Cocteau Twins up through Four Calendar Cafe vinyl collection with the exception of Tiny Dynamite. When I was doing putting it into Discogs, I realized, I, oh my God, that's the only one I need left. I found a copy for like 10 or 15 bucks. That's on its way now. So I will be done with collecting all the Cocteau Twins albums and EPs up through uh, Heaven or Las Vegas. So that is very exciting. Uh, Ultra Vivid Scene Rev, the third and final album from Ultra Vivid Scene. I had the other two on vinyl and all the singles, so I was just missing this one album. I got that. Very exciting. His Name is Alive, Livonia, the first His Name is Alive album, the one that got me really into them. Uh, I've had the CD for a long time. I've had other His Name. I had the second His Name is Alive album, Home is in Your Head, on vinyl. He became very prolific later in life, and I keep up with him, but I don't buy it all. But I wanted those first two albums on vinyl and I finally found a good copy of Livonia. So that is now in the collection as well as, and this one was very exciting and the most expensive Kendra Smith's solo album on 480, five ways of disappearing, beautiful cover near mint condition. I already have all the other Kendra Smith and Opal stuff on vinyl. It was the one piece missing from the collection and it was on 480 and it's got a great Von all over cover and I love it. And I'm so happy I got it. So yeah, that's all the vinyl. For the week, I swear to God, it's slowing down. I did get one CD. I got the Funeral Party CD, Serpentine. Funeral Party was a Boston goth band featuring Val Forgione and Scott Padalano, two dear old friends of mine that both went on to form a band called Missile Thrush with Todd Demma, who is awesome. Uh, and this guy, Brad, who was later on replaced by Matt Catman and uh, Ruben on bass. Anyway, <laughs> love Missile Thrush. I loved Funeral Party, but I could never find this CD, so I finally got it. That was really great. It was a great blast from the past, early Boston goth. I, you know, I got the 12-tone failure stuff, another, another Val band. <laughs> I just was like very happy to get this album. So I've been listening to that a lot this week as well. Not on Spotify, so I think Funeral Party needs to get on Spotify. It's a great record. All right, so other stuff. Stuff I listened to this week. Annie. The Swedish pop singer Annie has a new EP, Neon Nights, and it's fantastic. It has two great covers, and uh, including She's Like the Wind, and it rules. I strongly recommend it. Uh, Charles Spearin, My City of Starlings. I don't remember much about this, but I really liked it. 
Elvis Costello has a new album, uh, Spanish Model, which is a bunch of Elvis Costello and the Attraction songs sung in Spanish, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you, Paul, for alerting me to that one. Uh, Glass Animals Dreamland. So Emma, my wife, told me about this band because they played Cat's Cradle, and this woman she follows on Instagram that she wants to meet after the pandemic went to the show. No, that's not right. A woman who adopted one of the cats that we were fostering went to the show. And apparently, you know... Cat's Cradle right now is an outdoor venue. It's great. It's very clever. You can go outside. And some of the shows that were supposed to be happening this fall, they've been moving to the outdoor venue and therefore having more tickets and being safer. It's great. Cat's Cradle is doing a great job. But uh, she was very excited about this band, Glass Animals, coming. And I read about them. She's like, have you heard about this band? I was like, I have not heard about this band. And we looked them up and they were like shortlisted for the Mercury Prize, like big, big, big in England. And they played Cat's Cradle and I didn't even notice. So I was like, I should listen to them. And I listened to them and it was really good. And I really like it. It's kind of like elbow meets... uh, you know, I mean, that UK smart electronica meets pop kind of thing. You know what I mean? Elbow, Alt-J, Muse. <laughs> Those bands are all really different, but the part that's the same, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I liked it. It was good. Uh, Her Space Holiday. I was thinking about them because Emma asked me who had the smartest fan or nicest fans. And I was like, I don't know. But I routinely joked in the 90s that Her Space Holiday had the, had the hottest fans. And uh, she was like, who are they? She didn't know anything about her space holiday. And I was like, oh, my God, they're so good. And uh, I was like, I wonder what happened to them. I looked them up and they had an EP, EP like three or four years ago. And uh, it's called Gravity. And it's really good. But that's all that he's done in like the last decade, uh, which is a shame because I really loved her space holiday. They were a great band. Uh, then I listened to Passage by the Carpenters because of some guy on Twitter. <laughs> mentioned it and I was like oh yeah I haven't listened to that album I like love the Carpenters but they have so many records and I still haven't listened to them all so now I'm debating I should go listen to like all the Carpenters records I might do that this week uh V semicolon you're a weapon uh uh, this is very sad Susan the original singer of the magnetic field Susan Amway she passed away last week uh she's the one that sings like 100,000 fireflies all the stuff in the first two albums and uh a lot of my friends are saying how sad they were. I never knew Susan. I know Chris and Claudia from the magnetic fields, but I met them after the Susan era. I met them around like get lost era. Let's say anyway, uh, my friend Vicky Wheeler mentioned to me that Susan had a band called V, uh, it was a Boston band, post-punk band, uh, before my time, I guess, like late eighties, early nineties, maybe I was in Boston when they were still around, but like, it would have been just barely overlapping. Uh, and it's on, uh, Spotify. It's V with a semicolon. You're a weapon. And it was a great record. Great classic post-punk record. Really one of the best Boston bands I've heard from that period. Can't believe I didn't know about them. Very, very thankful to that. Thank you, Vicky. I listened to the new Drake album, Certified Lover Boy. It was way too long, but there was some interesting stuff on there. Uh, I listened to Adam Hart Mother by Pink Floyd. I'm putting that down here because I owned all the Pink Floyd albums at one point except Adam Hart Mother. And I it didn't I feel like I've listened to it, but I couldn't remember for sure. So, uh, yeah, I listened to like all the early Pink Floyd after I listened to my Amagama new vinyl. Not new. God, that vinyl is probably 30 years old, <laughs> but it sounds great. Anyway, I, w- I put that one down because I wasn't sure if I ever actually listened to Adam Hart Mother back in the day. You know, Moore and Piper, Piper of the Saucer Full of Secrets, Piper of the Gates of Dawn. All of those I'd already listened to and I remembered them, but I didn't remember Adam Hart Mother. It's a great record. Uh, then the Funeral Party record. Then Andrew W.K. has a new album called God is Partying. That is just fantastic. I love that guy, man. He just makes the most anthemic feel-good music. If you're ever feeling really down and depressed and kind of like suicidal or existentially angsty, just go listen to Andrew W.K. He will pick you up, 100% guaranteed. 
uh, Bonnie Light Horseman, self-titled album. Thank you, Conrad, for alerting me to Bonnie Light Horseman after my Anais Mitchell talk two weeks ago. Uh, Anais Mitchell is one of the vocalists on the Big Red Machine album, and I joked about how she got to do the songs that Taylor Swift did not want to do. Uh, then Conrad alerted me to all the other stuff that Anais Mitchell had been doing. Uh, she's apparently like written a very successful play that's on Broadway <laughs> musical. Uh, and she had this band, Bonnie Light Horseman. Uh, it turns out Anais Mitchell is awesome. I would like to clarify that. And this record was really great. So, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, Diarrhea Planet, Aloha. <laughs> My friend Catherine texted a Diarrhea Planet song in a group text of ours. And I was like, oh, my God, I, 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 whenever I hear that band, I really like them, but I can't get over the name. So I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to that EP. And I did album. And it was great. It's a great record. Punk, noisy, fun. Just fantastic. Uh, Dalek, I Love You, 80s new wave band, self-titled album. I always heard about them. They're like affiliated with the Zoo Records thing, which I was really into. Bill Drummond and Dave Balfe's label from Big in Japan. And Teardrop Explodes, Echo the Bunnyman, all that sort of stuff. Dave Balf went on to found Food Records, Manage Blur. Anyway, Dalek, I Love You. I was really into the, I mean, it's good. It's good. It's solid and late 80s, early 80s, early 80s uh, new wave. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Hawk, H-A-V-V-K. The album is called Leveling. They're from Belfast. It's pretty shoegaze, a little bit rock. I'd say the closest analog in the world is Swerve Driver. Strong recommend. Came from my friend Jen out in L.A. It's a great record. Leveling by Hawk, H-A-V-V-K. Pulling a church's thing there. Uh, yeah, it's super good. Yeah. I would say Swerve Driver is the closest analog, but yeah, a little bit more melodic, but also just as hard rocking. It's good stuff, man. Ooh, yeah. Uh, listen to the Lil Nas X album, Montero. I fucking loved it. Uh, I especially like the second half where he's like, maybe I'm not a hip hop star. Maybe I belong in sort of a <laughs> a melodic kind of shoegaze dark pop band. <laughs> it's like there's four songs out there that I'm like, these could be mistaken for songs by like a band I played with in the 90s. I love it. It's great. I like the rap too. And it can get kind of, it's great. It's a great record. It's, it's awesome. Very, very pleased with it. Uh, I listened to the Lindsey Buckingham solo album, self-titled Lindsey Buckingham. And my big insight here is that if you put the new Mac McCoughlin album from Super Chunk on, and then you put the new Lindsey Buckingham album on, you would believe they were made by the same person. I never really realized just how influential Lindsey Buckingham was on Super Chunk, but it seems very obvious to me now. It's a great record. It's got like a dance track on it with like club beats. I mean, I was, I was impressed. Uh, Park Hajin. I don't pronounce this right. Uh, Haitian Park, um, Korean American, clubby, uh, a lot of like smooth electronica. Her name in Spotify is the Korean version of her name, and then Park Haitian. Park is her surname. Korean surnames are first. H Y E J I N. Uh, anyway, the album's awesome. Uh, it, there's a couple tracks that are just full on two, four on the four, flat out electronica dance rave up for me, but most of it is like sophisticated down tempo electronica that I do like a lot. So that was pretty cool. Listen to the new Churches album, Screen Violence. Got kind of on a little bit of a Churches kick for like a few days there. Uh, because they covered Cry Little Sister, which is fucking awesome. And then I learned about their Bella Lugosi's Dead cover. Then I watched a couple of their YouTube videos. I've seen churches and I didn't care. I was like, oh, this is light, lightweight kind of gothy pop. But they're growing on me through the years. Ever since I made the connection to Aerogram, which was a Scottish shoegaze band 
post-rock kind of like mogwai kind of thing and uh it turns out the two guys in aerogram are the two guys in churches i learned this like a couple years ago i told you guys about it at the time so i've been paying more attention to it. i think this is the first album that they put out since i was really paying attention but yeah it's a good record screen violence i'm into it and then pillars and tongues great slash most secret the miracle uh, this is a new release on Blue Sync Muzak, which is my old roommate Mike Anderson's label, a.k.a. Drekka, out of Bloomington, Indiana. He tweeted about it. I think he's going on tour with them. It's two tracks. It's ambient, mellow, kind of a little bit noisy. It's fucking fantastic. I really loved it, and that's a strong recommend. And that's a fit for albums, except uh, I will note that Taylor Swift released the Taylor's version of the first track from Red, Wildest Dreams, is very exciting, and Red is now available for pre-order on vinyl if you need it. It is a three-vinyl LP set, so that was very exciting. Moving on, television, same stuff. Uh, we're still watching Lego Masters, even though it's done. We're having a hard time finishing. It's really boring. We're definitely not going to watch it anymore. Will Arnett's funny, but I just don't care about the challenges anymore. I really don't care about Legos that much anymore. I think, I don't know, man, I've just moved on in life. Which leads to the whole question of what I'm going to do with like those 500 Lego sets sitting upstairs in the closet. But I think we're going to leave that question to Jane when she gets a little bit older. We're still basically watching Mythbusters every day, two episodes a day, most days. We are in season seven or eight. We're more than halfway through. We got through the dumb Obama episode. <laughs> Still big fans. Uh, it's a great show. I'm going to be sad when it ends. It keeps you like, you know, you finish your whole long day. You've done work. You've dealt with the baby. You've gotten your exercise. You're sitting down with your wife. You got a couple hours and like we watch Mythbusters and it like makes your brain think, right? Like you don't just tune out and eh, whatever. You just like, we're like, oh yeah, but what about this? And like physics and we sit there like pondering physics problems and it makes you feel very like, I don't know. I don't know. It, I like that it's engaging in that way. It's a great show. Uh, we've been watching, I've been watching alone. Emma is not interested in what if the Marvel show, she's right. It's kind of boring. They're leading to something bigger. So I will stick it out, especially since it's like 20 minutes a week of my time. Uh, but yeah, I'm just like, eh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, we have been watching lower decks, however, which was hilarious and wonderful. The star Trek cartoon, adult cartoon. It was great. We're caught up now. They're still putting out episodes of season two right now. We plowed through season one, caught up on season two. So we'll keep watching it. But like now I'm not watching it, you know, every day. <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. There's this whole subplot with the pack leads, which are like the stupidest race that you've ever come across in the Star Trek universe. And it's just so brilliant and so perfect. And it makes me so happy. The fan amount of fan service in one minute of that show is just mind blowing. Uh, and then I started Foundation last night. We started Foundation last night. The Asimov Adaptation by David S. Goyer uh, on Apple TV+. And it turns out it's awesome. I was a little bit worried. David S. Goyer has definitely had some misfires with his DC Universe stuff. But he's also done some good stuff. So, you know, I had some hope. And that Jared, uh, what's his name? <laughs> The guy from Chernobyl and Lane Price on uh, Mad Men. Anyway, he's really great. Lee Pace is really great. It's just great. Uh, only, we only watched it in one episode, but uh, so far, I'm very excited for that show. It is delivering. All right. Uh, movies? Let's see. <laughs> oh, God. So I'm just watching like random stuff from all that stuff I've uploaded to Plex. I watched uh, Day of the Woman, a.k.a. I Spit on Your Grave, the original 1968 film. It is 
horrible and harrowing and very hard to watch, but I can understand how it's also become sort of a feminist icon piece. Everybody's right about the film. Ebert, Roger Ebert called it one of the worst films we've ever seen. Many people call it like a feminist empowerment film. Many people call it like just horrible and awful and offensive. They're all right. It's, it's every one of those people is correct. It's, it's a terribly made rape revenge film that is harrowing and very hard to watch, but also cathartically satisfying towards the end. <laughs> Uh, and then I watched the Pam Greer prison film, women in cages from 1971. And that was just bad. Uh, that was very hard to watch. Not pleasant in any way, really. Uh, Emma had never seen starship troopers. So we watched starship troopers and that holds up. It's still absurd. It's poignant commentary on fascism is still very clever. I had forgotten the one scene where there's a reporter that basically says the quiet part out loud of the whole film, which was like many people are saying that like maybe fascism is dumb. And also maybe the humans are responsible for this war with the bugs. And then everybody's like, shut up. And they shove them off. the thing. <laughs> it's like, Hey, that, that little shot is the director telling you like what's really going on in this movie. <laughs> it's just so brilliant. I had forgotten about it. Uh, and then I watched the 1968 Russ Meyer film, Vixen. Uh, I was really obsessed with Russ Meyer for a while because his wife, uh, Eve Meyer was going to be the protagonist in my ghost novels. I don't know if I ever talked about this. So I did a big deep dive on their lives. I read his biography, um, <laughs> Big Bosoms and Square Jaws by Jimmy McDonough, who, by the way, side point, Jimmy McDonough is also the author of Neil Young's biography, Shaky. And I was very fascinated with this dude. And I was like, you can't find anything about him on the internet. I had no idea what he looked like or anything. But he shows up as an interview subject in that nudity documentary I watched. So like three years ago, four or five years ago, I was obsessed with Jimmy McDonough and how he was this elusive character. And then just last week, I'm like watching this documentary. And I'm like, oh my God, there's Jimmy McDonough. It was very exciting. Very exciting. Anyway, they reminded me of Vixen was a Russ Meyer film I hadn't seen because it didn't star Eve Meyer, and I was really more on an Eve Meyer research kick. Uh, but it's hilarious. I mean, it's completely offensive and awful in many ways. It's very there's a very racist character in it, uh, and then there's another character who just casually walks around with a swastika on their vest. It's got a lot of problems, but also it's like the plot is bonkers and it sits there and like extols the virtues of communism and socialism. And like <laughs> it's just such a wacky ass film. And like the third act is totally not something you'd ever expect. I, mean, I was watching this after watching women in cages and day of the woman. I was like, this is going to be a bad softcore porn. You know, I've seen so many, I thought it was gonna be like faster pussycat or something, but no, it turned out to be crazy plot wise. So it's very short. It's like an hour and a half, not even, but a uh, strong recommend on Vixen if you can get through the heavily, heavily offensive parts. Uh, and that's about it. I'm still reading What Hath God Wrought, The Transformation of America, 1815 to 1848 by Daniel Walker Howe, but I'm not done. Uh, let's see what just happened. Martin Van Buren just got elected president, which is a bummer because that guy sucks. The whole book is basically people arguing about slaves, even though we're still like 40 years before the Civil War. Because that's all America did for the first hundred years of its existence was argue about slaves because they were a problem the whole time because the 1619 Project is telling the truth and people are fucking absurdly petulant, whiny denialists when they say that American history isn't just the history of slavery because it totally is. Every single thing was about slavery. It's insane. But I'll talk more about that book when it's done, which I'm hoping to finish before the next time I talk to you guys. It's 900 pages, but we're making good progress. 
right, that's about it for this last two weeks. I hope you're doing all right. I hope your pandemic's going great. I hope you are feeling well, staying sane. Drop a line. Let me know how you're doing. Thank you for listening. Talk to you guys in a couple weeks. All right. All right.